If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there you go. Sending out good vibes. And they have shops everywhere, and you go to these shops, and the and the places are filled with old women, mostly. There's a few head kit, you know, head. Yeah, hey man, okay. Well, you got any bud? They, there's a bunch of those guys, but not as much as there are old women, arthritic old women. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we are going to be chatting to the legendary John C. Dvorak. A little bit later from, of course, one of our favorite podcasts here in Great America, the No Agenda Show. We do seem to have a crazy amount of crossover and listenership, too. We're not sure why we got blessed with that, but um, I know there's a whole shitload of Great Americans that are going to be super stoked to see this uh, interview go up. And with probably a bunch of No Agenda nights that are going to come check out Great America, maybe for the first time. And hopefully they'll put up with our bullshit and our uh, lazy ramblings. Of course, we got uh, the co-hostess with the mostess here, the one and only Graham. Should we just open the borders? Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy. I'm doing well. Yeah, this is a great episode with John. We talk about uh, lots of, you know, in-depth sort of knowledge you don't hear a lot about on the No Agenda show. And of course, we saved uh, saved his uh, release for Special Palindrome, episode 313. Oh, and we got a great little song that a listener of the show, our Jingle King, Felix, whipped up that we're going to throw at the end of the show so we can play it in its entirety. Nice little palindrome. I'll show it to No Agenda. I mean, we got to say, No Agenda has definitely been... Um, it's probably one of the most important podcasts out there because they they really do change the way people look at things in, in, a, in, a, in a proactive sort of um, educational way, right? They deconstruct the mainstream media. They deconstruct the lies and... They're not on one side or the other. That's why they're called no agenda. And that I think I do believe that that's their intention. Yeah, that's I tend to too. I mean, there's stuff that I picked up from those guys years ago that still makes me look like um. I mean, I don't know fuck all about these conspiracies or anything like that. I just regurgitate some of the stuff I heard that no agenda is talking about this stuff like five years ago, and, and you, and you forget even, about. But it. they're not even a conspiratory. They're not even a conspiracy no, podcast. They're just, they're just talking about the news. What's on the news? What different countries are up to, and what what they think could be the down the pike, down the pike. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'll be talking to someone about a conspiracy, and they're like, "Oh, it's about these pipelines." I'm like, fuck, those guys said that like four years ago, yeah. and you know, yeah. one time after another. I mean, not only that, they've been hugely. Uh, influential on us obviously and on how we've adopted their value for value model and yeah that's probably the thing we have in common the most i mean i appreciate john coming on i thought probably adam would be the first to come on the show but you know we do talk about some crazy topics that they don't talk about on the show like our 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 genres and our subject matter is not really necessarily compatible so it's good that john came on anyways to talk to us about it because it's you know it's not necessarily going to be a it could be a bad thing for him (laughs) Yeah, you know, I hadn't really looked at it like that until until uh, he threw Adam under the bus on the show. And uh, he was just kind of like, 
Well, apparently he said that Adam told him not to come on the show. I don't know if that's true or not. I tend to believe it. Adam's, Adam's reaction makes me think it was true. And I was like, why the fuck would Adam do that? Oh, because it's the reason I, I say, because, you know, it'd probably be better for Adam too. John's professional career and stuff probably doesn't lend it you yeah. know, as much for him coming on our show. Adam's kind of more of the crackpot. John's supposed to be more of the buzzkill. You know, I don't know if that's why, but anyways, it's good that they did. I mean, we're supporters of the show and, and we do have a lot of crossover, like you said. And the most common thing we have is our value for value model where, you know, we don't have any ads, no sponsors or anything like that. It's just supported listener supporters. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a little bit different cause that's their job. Um, that's what they do and they do it well and they have something special. They really do. Um, so what we do in the intro here before we release this, will there'll be a timestamp in, in the show notes and there'll be a fast forward button on the podcast thing to jump forward. If you don't want to hear all this to our interview with John, but we do take care of some housekeeping before each episode. We read some listener emails, listener stories. We beg for support. We do all that kind of stuff, and we try and do it in a you know organic and fun way. This is kind of how the listeners contribute to our show as well. And, uh, yeah, so we'll do that for a little while. There's a, an array of ways. I mean, that's kind of the thing that you follow from the same no agenda thing, because I was thinking about that the other day, how, uh, you know, some of the other shows we talk to, they're outsourcing this or that, and it's all very, like, business-like, or they're paying for this service, or they're paying for that, and we, we can't afford it, for one, but it seems to come along with the value-for-value value model that you fall into these crazy relationships with, I mean, we've got a fantastic artist. We get great jingles. We get great music. We get, you know, the newsletter the done. Newsletter, yeah. It's just unbelievable. Guy helping Jordan us with the helping website. with the website. And it's just unbelievable. The, we got Ryan that, that, you know, donates his time to the chats. It's, it's unbelievable how many people pitch in and help out on the value for value model. And, and yeah, we just big thanks to, for the shoulders to stand on and helping us with that model. Cause who knows where we'd be if we would have tried something else. Yeah. We could be telling you fucking Squarespace for fuck's sakes. Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, exactly. Ugh. That'd be something. So what do you got, buddy? Well, I wanted to talk about some personal stuff. You do? Yeah. What Your bike gets stole again? Well, pretty much. Actually, really? how'd you know? No, not my bike, but, you know, I live in a, in a sort of a, it's, it's a sort of a trendy neighborhood. It's kind of considered downtown. I don't think of it as downtown, but urban, it's but, very urban, but we're in on the shittiest house in the block. Like it used to be, I think our house used to be just a shit show. And now like it's sort of being trying to be renovated and have some decent people in there. I think it was kind of a mess for a few years. So that's not the best thing. But, um, my girlfriend came out the front door the other day and, and she didn't realize it at the time, but she caught a guy clipping the bike lock of, so this is the front yard, fairly visible, of of our tent, our neighbors. Did you get bikes me pumpkin spice there. coffee? I did, yeah. Thank you. Uh, about uh, so apparently this guy like put his head down and then walked away, and and she didn't know if it was the neighbors because the neighbors seemed to be sharing our yard a little bit with the bikes and all that, and like maybe it's their bikes. <laughs> the neighbors like, are know, sharing the yard. You know, like I think it, the, the same landlord, right? Very so it's socialist. Kind of, it's down same there, landlord. Right? Oh, right? I see. I see. So. So he, he was like, go, go, go to this lady, who, this girl who was waiting. Watch it. And, uh, and uh, they walk away, and then they cut across this other yard. And then she thinks about it afterwards, like, maybe they were doing something to the bike. Work. So we go out and check, and sure enough, the bike lock's been cut. And so I've had my car broken into out there. So the bike didn't get stolen? It was just half cut? She, she, she came out in the middle of it and inadvertently she thwarted. stopped it, thwarted the, uh, the incident. Nice. They were just hacking. It's kind of scary for her though, right? And, and then 
Now, so my bike got stolen two doors down. You should down. buy her a gun. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No <laughs> way. They, the, I called the cops about this stuff, and they're like, don't engage, and they're very, very, like, no vigilantism That's because they assume like you don't have a gun. Be like, hey, bro, I got a handgun. Can I just pop them? <laughs> so I'll then, shoot them so in then, the leg, and then you guys come clean them up. So then the other day, they're, they're homeless. there's a couple of homeless guys making uh, tent and out in the, in the alley. Really? The tent town's moving into Calgary? It was just a matter of time. No, 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 no. There's only you a know, couple guys. No, was, no, no, no. There's a couple guys, but they had like we have the pieces most- of bikes, like a bike frame and all the stuff. And it looks like they're making and people just driving around the alley, pulling into their, their garages, not seeing anything. And my girlfriend can see this happening from our window. And it's like, there's a fellow over know, by the planetarium so, last summer that had a barbecue. Yeah. I mean, I've nothing like, like what, whatever, right. I'm not prejudiced against any of that, but when there's that much crime going on, like it's an issue. Like we, we, we should be safe in Canada, safe in Calgary to, to all this. Right. But what are they doing? They're too busy. What? Pulling people over for speeding tickets. I don't even know if they're even arresting people that steal bikes and cars. I heard car theft. That's under a thousand. Huge problem. No. <laughs> the car theft is a huge problem in Calgary, but Theft under, is it 5,000 in Canada? Theft under 5,000 is a charge in Canada? Theft under 5,000 is considered a hybrid offense. Depending on the severity of the crime and other factors, it can be indictable or a summary conviction offense. So it's up to two years in prison, but I want to say, or no, it's something like the same thing Dvorak talks about, where there's, if it's under 5,000, you're so fucking little... There's so little repercussions that it's just a joke. They don't care if they get caught. And if you do get caught, you send the next guy out or the next guy. He, the different guy hasn't been caught yet. Takes the rap the next time. Cause he's just going to get a little slap on the wrist. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that like that our system, the way it's set up, even if it worked would be a good system. Like, I mean, I don't really necessarily believe in get jailing this. people either. I don't think that's very good for rehab. And I mean, drugs are a problem and homelessness are a problem. Like there should be some place for these people to go. I mean, they don't have the institutions they used to have for people with mental problems or drug issues like that. Now, what do you do with people? Right. So get this. Lisa needs to get a police check done so she can volunteer at the kids' schools. Okay. Um, especially the nature kindergarten. They always need parents out there. So you go, it's free for that. Takes like two weeks, but it's free. But then she needs another one for a job application. So if it's to go volunteer at the school, it's free. If it's to go to put on a job, and you can't photocopy that one. It's each That's one's got to be for an each thing. Yeah. So if she has to get one for two schools, it's two separate things. They put the name on there. That's efficient. Yeah. And then if she wants to get one for work, she comes on the other day. She's like, "If oh, I have to go get the work one. It's 40 bucks. <laughs> I'm like, pardon me? She's like, yeah, it's $40. My fucking, our tax dollars pay for the entire RCMP fucking system. But if we want to access the fact and tell people that we're not a criminal, we have to pay another yeah. $40. Yeah, exactly. I I don't know why, but it just so, disgusted and, but, me. But because it's, I don't understand how the, no, how yeah, we're talking the about the same between. RCMP that chased a fucking guy into all my shit, like yeah. less than six months ago. So I'm a little on edge about that still. And now these fucks are charging me $40 to prove that I'm not a fucking criminal. Yeah. When, 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 if you volunteer for something, they don't like, how do they know that? Because you're volunteering, they say, well, you shouldn't have to, to pay. They have to put the name of what you're volunteering on. 
So it's not like I can say I'm volunteering at the kids' school and then send it off to try and get the yeah, job. Yeah, exactly, because it's specific for that Oh, it's thing. for a job? Yeah. 40 yeah. bucks. Yeah. What yeah. the fuck? I don't have the job yet. I don't have any more money than the volunteer, theoretically. I'm trying to get the fucking job. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So imagine if you applied for, imagine if you had to do that for 10 different jobs. Like, yeah. There's 400 bucks so you don't yeah. get any of them? Exactly. Oh, come on. It's disgusting. There's got to be a batch discount or something. I don't know what there is. That's crazy. You just make your own, then you're a criminal. Yeah, I don't know, man. Anyways, it's kind of just creepy lately, that whole thing. It's fucked. You know, you just, it's just the blatant, you know, in the middle of the day, walking into a front yard with some hedge clippers, snipping a fucking lock and trying to take a couple bikes, you know? Yeah. Broad daylight. Broad daylight. Like, come on. What are they, what, how much are the bikes worth even? They weren't, they're not even nice bikes. They're busy selling police reports. Anyways, let's move on here. So do you want to hear a couple uh, listener emails? What do you want to do here? I want to hear some. What do you got? Hmm. How about some? Uh, no, I, I, got, I got some stuff here. What do you got? Here, let's just well, I got a little. Let's let's stick on the creepy side of things and and alleys and sightings and stuff. We got. I got a little bit of a sighting here from somebody. Just just in the in one email in the spirit of Halloween. Hey guys, here's my spooky story. A couple years ago, I went for a few drinks at a local pub with a friend to watch a football game. I only had a few, so I wasn't drunk, but over the limit to drive. So I decided I could run home. That's fucking great, eh? <laughs> I'll just run. <laughs> it was around 8 p.m. and it was dark. I decided to take a shortcut through a housing estate that has small alleyways between houses, cutting street to street so you can just cut straight through the estate. They weren't very well lit. This one had one single street light halfway through, and as I jogged through the light, I noticed a figure on the edge of the darkness standing in the middle of the path. I looked as I got close, and it made my hair stick up and I felt my whole body went numb. It was about six foot tall, a man with a hat that stood on one leg with his hands above his heads and wrists bent forward, almost like a string puppet. It just stood there like that. I just put my head down, moved to one side, mumbled excuse me, and slid past sideways to squeeze by. I looked back once I got out of the alley but couldn't see anything. It really creeped me out. The way it just stood there like a puppet I'll never forget. No idea what or who it was. Keep up the good work. Love the show. No names? No. Uh, well, I don't know if I should say the names. Well, it's Joel. It's not a big deal, I guess. Creepy. Yeah, creepy, eh? I think he misidentified some trash. You think so, eh? Halloween decoration? Uh, No, no. This is... Oh, maybe. Maybe. Like a scarecrow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's drunk. Yeah, that's the problem. His testimony is invalid. <laughs> drunk and running. Did you ever run when you were drunk? No, uh, yeah. Ran away from things. Yeah, mostly that. Life. Yeah. <laughs> I was running for years. Yeah. <laughs> Pain and problems. And <laughs> yeah, all that shit. <laughs> so, so I got another one. This is um, an email just from, you want to do a feedback jingle or something? Like a, I don't have a feedback a jingle. A grandma. Another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people, all the people. 
Graham, thanks for the reply. You guys are terrific. Two brothers from the same spiritual mother. I love listening to the synchros that you guys read on the show. It makes me wonder if the universe is just one big interconnected simulation. I feel like I'm living in a big synchro slash simulation. After I completed my MBA, I was staffed in the Atlanta office of a, of a major business management consulting firm. One of my first clients was an electric utility based in Tampa, Florida. I worked directly with the CEO and CFO of the utility, and we spent endless days and nights working in beautiful offices that overlooked the ocean. I thought to myself at the time, I wish I could have this view forever. This engagement lasted two years, and afterwards I moved on to a new client. A year later, I was recruited to join a major data aggregator as EVP of New Ventures. Within a month, they sent me to Florida to work out of a new office space they had just acquired. I didn't pay attention to the address until the taxi pulled into the parking lot. It was the same office building my electrical utility had called their headquarters. After my project concluded, the, the electric utility agreed to be acquired and the executive team moved to the HQ to another part of the state. My new company purchased the building and I found myself on the same floor looking at the same ocean. Believe it or not, the life loop repeated itself three more times. After a number of years, I left the data aggregator and launched a startup. The Fortune 500 that invested in my startup had purchased the same building from my previous employers, and I found myself in the same top floor boardroom looking at the same view of the same ocean. I started to think I might be dead and my spirit had gotten stuck on this plane because of my unholy request to have this view of the ocean forever. Maybe my first clients were not electric utility executive, but a group of genies who grant wishes only to damn you with those wishes. I'm launching a new startup and I fully expect to find myself back in that same boardroom next year, looking at the same ocean and wondering how many more times I will have to do this before the office gods grant me access to the great break room in the sky. <laughs> Thanks for your show. I would not be thinking about the world like this if you guys weren't doing the Gramerica show. I'm so happy I decided to support the show. When I sell this startup for 5B or more, I will make sure the cave is fully stocked and that you guys can work on the show in full-time comfort. Like they say in the X-Files movies, keep fighting the future. Cheers, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Sounds like a hell of a view. That's awesome, man. That's Imagine just it. that. Careful what you wish for. That's the simulation working right yeah. there. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Your thoughts matter. That's right. What do you want? Darren and Graham are going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. I'll start cutting. I'll silence it when it says UFO. Profound quote of the week. I can't. I can't open it. I can't open it. Just make one up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't open it. That's fucked. That that's it, Darren. That, that, that's it. Unless yeah. I can get this document open, there's no more UFO quotes. Really? Yeah. It froze up full yeah, on. It's fully like my word. It, oh, hang on. Let me try this. Oh, it's so weird. My computer's really not doing well. I should just start start making my own quotes. Yeah. Here we go. Oh. Yeah, so there you have it. That's it. Sorry, dude. That's it. No more. 
Well, I'll, I'll get her at one point. Here's a quote for you. Okay. Art and love are the same thing. <laughs> it's the process of seeing yourself in things that are not you. You want another one? Sure. All endings are also beginnings. There you have it. Who said it better? Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know. Can That's you it. shut the sound off on your fucking D&D discords when you're in the podcast studio, please? How do you know? That's not, that's not, that's, uh, that's our chats, buddy. Is it? Yeah. No, it's not. I'm All right, so chats. I'll read another email I here. Cause I, I'm, gra- I don't I'm, see any ad grams here. I see a bunch of pictures of you playing fucking D&D. Uh, okay, how about, uh, how about this one? Just a quick little feedback. We'll go into the value for value model from this. Ready? Yep. Are you with me? Hey guys, your show has quickly taken over as my regular listener on my commute. I drive about two hours a day and can turn on about five episodes a week. I'm staying current and working through your back catalog on order. In order. It's been fun to watch the show grow, especially love listening to the, the first jingles and how some of my favorites got started. I will occasionally skip past an episode with a topic that I'm not interested in, or if I feel oversaturated, only to go back and listen to that and have my mind blown. Recent case in point is the episode with Terry Tabando. That was a great one and would have been a shame to miss. That's like a, probably a four-year-old episode with um, the guy I used to do C-SETIs with, like looking for UFOs back in the 90s, like 94, 95. We had him on. It was a great I thought show. it was back east. It's west, out west. Out west, back yeah, east, yeah, back in the 90s. Because of the quality of your- 2000s. Because of the quality of your back catalog and how you have free access to it, I had to double my support. I recently switched my subscription from another podcast to double up on my Gramerica value for value support. The universe is a mysterious place, but I find you both much better and more personable guides through the unknown rather than other hosts. Love the show and sincerely look forward to each and every new episode. Thanks. Thanks, Brando. Brando. Brando's in the chats. Brando's in the chats. He's been listening forever. Yeah. Thanks for the email. Thanks for the email. What else you got? You got any synchros? No, no, that's about it. Well, I do have some, but uh, they're not ready to go. So that's it. Yeah. What do you got? We got more time to cook. What do I got? When the fuck do I ever have anything? Let's uh, let's just do the let's just do the uh, do the what? The uh, beg for support. That was supposed to be the the transition into support. I even said it. Gave you the hint. Support the show. <laughs> America.ca slash support. Seriously, actually the website, uh, we're having some HTTPS issues, but that's all sorted out now. Um, so America.ca slash support, all that stuff's working again. We are switching servers right away because uh, our current server is being a piece of shit and causing us all sorts of headaches. So we're going to abandon that, get onto some different servers. Um, we're just trying to sort all that out right now. It's hectic times. Are moving. It's probably going to cost us a bit of money. We think we found a cool spot. Actually, well, we did find a cool spot, like to move our studio in because right now we're in a friend's uh, spare room. Right. He's just sort of semi-hosting us here temporarily. So we found a we found a place. We think it's going to work. It's fairly cheap. It's actually, it's really cheap for what we have. It's like a mezzanine and in, in a uh, in a warehouse kind of thing. Uh, so it should be yeah, it should be good. Set up uh, like a, a studio in there. Maybe like a bookshelf and a couch and some a little you know, lounge could be a space. Be able we to entertain sort of, some more guests and stuff like that. Yeah. 
It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. So that'll, that'll happen in a couple months, and then, um, yeah. We have you know. new spaces and new websites and new servers and fucking everything else that's happening around here. We, we need definitely new, need some, some new supporters. We need a new earphone cord hub. Even little cords and shit go the all hub. the time, right? I know. I should, I'll pick one up this weekend. Fucking hubs. Yeah, full of little... Honestly, so we need, we, you guys think we have all this to support? What? Should I just tell them how many supporters we have? Well, we have less than... Uh, we have less than 500. Yeah. We have less than 500 people that support the show on a monthly basis. So it's hard to support when you when your when your main price point is in the two or three dollar range, and you only have less than five hundred supporters. It's hard to pay rent and that's I mean grow and things like that. We're not we're not complaining. We're 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 thrilled to have that, but it's hard to. Was it, we can only grow as our support grows. We didn't even picture that to be able to have that. So it's amazing that that's even at that point. We have people helping out with all the different aspects of the show. We didn't picture doing this this long either, I don't no. think, did we? No, not at all. I think we wrap it up in 20 shows. So, and we are late getting the Black Budget episode out, and that's another thing. We do have some extra content out there. We'll be working on it now that we got the sort of things things going again. Uh, and ready. once we move into our new space, we'll be putting out way more content. Oh, yeah, we've been talking to sort of the, the group we talked to in our in our... In our rolling WhatsApp chat, we're always kind of, so it's this little private thing we do with about 10 people and we're always sort of rolling through everything that's going on in the news and in the world in there together. And I think we're going to start doing a bi-monthly round table with people out of there. So that'll be some fun content and we'll get some alt-right gram stuff in there. And some essays to read. There's some we got fun those stuff essays like to read still. Yeah. There's a million fucking things to do. There's people that interview. There's people bugging me to get on the black budget because yeah. they've now started to realize that we can let loose a little bit in there. So yeah, now that the dust is finally fucking settled on the new web, I mean, we still have the server move to do, but that's not a huge deal. Um, I mean, it's going to be a pain in the ass, but it's not like, uh, doesn't take weeks or anything like that. So I think we're finally ready to start settling down. We've got some great guests coming up. Yep. Booking probably some extra content coming up because we've been doing doubles like crazy and we're going to get backed up here again. Next week, we'll probably have some news on uh, Contact at the Cabin. Oh, yeah. The new evolution of Contact at the Cabin. Well, it's actually Contact at the Cabin is going to split into two great things. One of which we'll fully roll out next week. And one of which is still kind of, we're still, the other of which we're probably going to kind of throw some ideas around and we'll let you guys throw some ideas back at us and figure out if we can figure out a more sustainable, scalable way to do that. Mm. But uh, the other half of that is going to be super exciting as well. It's yeah. going to involve some of our most fantastic guests in American history. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, there's lots of uh, great things are coming to 2019 is look like it's going to be a, a seminal year in America. Lots of great people the right in the word? chats. Too. What does seminal sure. even mean? I just threw it in there. I didn't even know what it meant. It's probably okay. Okay. The greatest. Yes. Anyway, that's what I feel like it means. Let's find out. Um, hey Siri, what does seminal mean? No, she's not. She's not into it. Hey Siri, what does seminal mean? Accidentally muted. Strongly influencing later developments. Do you want to hear the remaining one? No, that's okay. No, that's a good one. So... Uh, there's lots of cool people in the chats too. There's lots of good little topics uh, being shared in there and fun stuff. That's just a perpetual chat that's ongoing. And I love getting emails from people. You can send emails to Graham at GrahamAmerica.com. Uh, sightings, stories, synchronicities, feedback, all that good stuff. Reviewing on iTunes would always help too. I, I know a lot of people don't like talking about that, but 
that always helps the algorithm. I think the mysterious algo What's and that? then sign up to YouTube Reviews. too. There's ways, there's also ways to help us where you can just subscribe on YouTube. That always helps, right? The podcast. Well, yeah, YouTube, you gotta, if, even if you don't listen on YouTube, at least go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Because right now, as strange as it may seem, YouTube seems to be our number one discovery platform. Yeah. Because, because YouTube is coupled so well with, uh, Google and we've got a lot of content on there. Um, it seems to be that when people search things, a lot of people find a YouTube video and then they watch one or two and figure out that we're a podcast. That's another thing Darren's done. He's cleaned up the YouTube page, which is well, great. Too. I'm just so, starting to clean yeah. up the YouTube page. Yeah. It's going to take a while. Yeah. There's 310 shows to take a look. Let me know what you think. I think I did four videos so far. Change the thumbnails. We're going to start changing all that out, working on new great art. It's all great. Yep. Great things happening. But we got video now as well. Seminicity. So we're doing live. Like, Seminicity. So we're doing live uh, every Wednesday is usually our night, our recording night. It's not consistent, but we try. Oh, Grand America FM, OBDM then, live tonight, Thursday. Yeah. We got Cruising with Steak on Tuesdays, Grand America live, Wednesdays. And then we're live at YouTube, right? Yeah. Live video on YouTube now. So Yeah. John Brisson's going to do his Fix Your Gut podcast starting on Sundays right away here. Eventually, we'll get Graham doing some sort of alt-right segment. Oh, come on. He's super. It's, it's, you know. Is it getting old? Is the alt-right thing getting Yeah, old? it's fucking disgusting. I don't know. You, I was almost it's ready just to- just getting annoying. I was almost right ready. Now. Perfect. I was almost yeah. ready to drop it until that last interview. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just, you just fucking reel it right back in. Anyhow, you guys will hear that interview in a few weeks. It's pretty funny. Uh, I think that's about it. Keep it short and sweet. We've got an uh, interview with- Tinfoil hat coming up about two minutes. Thanks, John, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Enjoy the chat with the one and only John C. Dvorak, where the C stands for cool enough to be in America. So that's one of them. Tonight we got a special one, long-awaited chat with John C. Dvorak. He, uh, until recently, he was writing columns for the PC Magazine. He's the co-host of the, one of our favorite podcasts, The No Agenda Show, and also DH Unplugged. Really want to thank you for uh, joining us today, John. Good to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to chat with you. A lot of our listeners obviously have uh, heard you guys before. Um, we're all big fans of No Agenda. And uh, what you guys are doing, you're you're actually helping a lot of people. Well, I hope so, because that's what they keep telling us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. We didn't uh, we didn't even know about we didn't hear about you guys until we had recorded. I think like our third episode, 
As, and uh, and when, what year was that? That would have been five, five 2013. 2013. It was the summer of 2013, and we we did a couple episodes, and we ended up going on this other podcast that had just started. And the producer of that show emailed us, and they're like, "What are you guys going to do for a business model? You know, you should check out these No Agenda guys. We think they got a good good model to try out." So then, I mean, I initially listened just to check out your business model and fucking ended up tumbling all the way down the rabbit hole. And here we are six years later and you guys are still probably, yeah, the only podcast that I listen to every episode. I took a little well, break. For, I was a man overboard for a couple of months there. It just got to be too yeah. much. And I, I don't had know to, how you could not be a man over, overboard, at least for some period of time yeah i had to take two months there i was moving and it was just it was all too much so i just took a break from politics and everything news no news no politics for a couple of months but i'm back now and it's still you know i'll, I'll skip everything else when the new no agenda comes out and i think it's because i don't have cable and i do kind of treat you guys as my my main news source at this point in time a lot of people say that and I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure they're sincere the, I mean, we do give you a lot of news, but there's all kinds of, you know, if you have any curiosity about some of the, a lot of celebrity stories and things that crop up that are interesting enough that we don't cover. Um, I think if you just listen to us in TMZ, you'd probably be good. <laughs> yeah, that would about do it for sure. I think, um, I, I mean, one of the funny things is, cause like I was, uh, we were, we did another show with Sam Tripoli there a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. And, and a couple of the, these are conspiracy shows and, and, you know, they're starting to talk about, you know, pipelines and pipelines in, um, Aleppo and, uh, talking about the Unabomber stuff and stuff like this. And it's like, Graham and I are just so far ahead of the curve. Cause we're like, well, no agenda. These guys aren't even really conspiracy guys, but they were talking about this stuff like years ago, years ago, literally yeah. years ago. It's like, it's, yeah. it's honestly, it's unbelievable that, that all the information is there and, uh, yeah, it's just hard to track down. Um, before we go too far into the no agenda stuff though, I did want to touch on the, the PC mag stuff. Cause we've been, we've had kind of a thread going here for the last couple months on, on YouTube censorship and, and, and people getting their YouTube shut down and people being deplatformed and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And it would seem like the PC magazine, Firing has got to be something along those lines. Well, I mean, there is the coincidence of my 5G column kind of getting uh, replaced with another pro 5G column. My column just said that I was skeptical about it. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the magazine is really not, they don't even emphasize columnists anymore. If you look along the top of their their uh, banner, it doesn't even have opinion. It, it Some of the foreign uh, licensees still have it. But they took that down, so you don't have you can't click on opinion on the front page. They also took the teasers off. They I used to have a teaser on the front page called uh, Dvorak versus the Internet. I think they just get decided somewhere along the line that this was uh, they wanted to just do mostly uh, product reviews and native advertising, pretty much. I mean, it's a couple of things I've seen in there are like sketchy. Yeah, yeah. How long were you with them for? Well, I was with PC Magazine since 1986. Wow. But they iterated. It iterated at least three times, maybe four, maybe four times, maybe five. Yeah. Uh, it went from this big, fat magazine. It was very 
profitable and fun to be with. Uh, the heydays were probably 1980s for me, or actually for the whole industry. The heydays were probably 1985 through 1999. And then after the dot-com crash, uh, everything pulled back and became kind of a wimpy v- version of it what it once was. And I just kind of surprised that I've hung on continually writing these columns for them, including a couple of years where I wrote once one a day uh, for since 1999, when the whole thing, the dot com collapse took the whole industry and screwed it, changed it radically. And I'm surprised I lasted as long as I did, to be honest about it. And uh, I got other things to do. I mean, I can put up some sites. I mean, nowadays, if you're entrepreneurial and you know how to use WordPress and blogging software and, you know, uh, audio visual software to do podcasts, you don't really need the umbrella of some other organization. You do for some marketing, maybe. But if you, you know, if you're taking the marketing, or if you're doing anything a little bit about marketing, you can even no, you don't even necessarily need that. So uh, it doesn't bother me. The only the reason I always liked writing for a magazine that had deadlines is because they had deadlines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it was up to me. I mean, you know, I've got to. Uh, I I just as soon just do podcasting and talk, and it's easier than sitting down and actually producing a piece of uh, writing that has may get attention or not attention, but well, this should give you some more time for working on your books. I mean, it's funny when we told our, yes, listeners, the old our listeners, listeners that you're well, coming on, like one of the most common questions was ask them about the vinegar book. And, the I, vinegar and, I, book. and I'm like, I don't know why they're so interested in that, but it's pretty funny. Well, the vinegar book is a good, is a, is pretty much done. It just needs to be organized. <laughs> and uh, this is an important book. I, I, the fact that I've, I've, lag so far behind my promises on the vinegar book. I feel bad about it because I know there are people drinking as we speak, drinking homemade or using homemade vinegar. That is not healthy. What but about the, then again, more people drink kombucha and it's kind of in that same category. That's right. Yeah. I went through a kombucha phase a little while ago. I was drinking kombucha yeah, just the other it. day. <laughs> uh, what about uh, apple cider vinegar? Is that, is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. You know, the funny thing is you, some of the vinegar books will tell you, say, hey, uh, get some apple cider vinegar with the live cultures. And, uh, oh, by the way, I did see one of the bad cultures in one apple cider, cider vinegar bottle once in my life. I saw one, and I refused to buy that brand. Um, I don't, I usually, i not a big apple cider vinegar guy except for salads. Uh, I'm just except for coleslaw. Coleslaw really requires it. Anyway, uh, apple cider vinegar has a uh, apple cider has a culture that is specific to apples, a vinegar culture and a cedar bacter. And so the, the the people I've seen, oh rec- oh, just get some of the live apple cider vinegar and put some of that in your wine, and you'll get vinegar. Yeah, you'll get kind of a vinegar. It's not going to taste right because it's not the right vinegar bacteria. Uh, it turns out that. Wine has a specific bacteria that it likes the best. Apples have another one. Malt beverages, beer. So when you have malt vinegar that you buy, SARS and these different companies that make it for the fish and chips, that's a different culture. And, uh, and that that create those crazy vinegars out of Asia, generally speaking, are different cultures too. And so you can't. You really want to wine this specific wine vinegar culture. Anyway, hmm. Biden. 
I can talk about it for a while if you want to talk an hour about vinegar, but <laughs> no, 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 it no, doesn't but... get the book. The book's not getting done doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is that something you're going to plan on doing? Maybe finish off some writing like that? Yeah, no, I got the vinegar book. I still got a cycles book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, the top of the list is my cataract book. I'm going to write about my experience getting a cataract sur- surgery. Uh, I can help you with that. To be quite entertaining. Uh, I mean, you, they got you down, you're wide awake and they're cutting into your eyeball. Think about it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh wait, cataracts you get from smoking weed. Do you, I don't or does know. weed help cataracts? Yeah, no, yeah. I think you it's a different from, you one. Just get it from, you just get them when you get them. It's usually from UV. That's the biggest culprit. I mean, I t- I've got this theory that the diet, you know, the ophthalmologist, uh, yeah, they rolled their eyes when I was coming up with these ideas, but I had a cat, I have cataracts in both eyes. The one in the right eye is nothing. There's nothing. It's just that you can't even, you'd have to, it doesn't affect my vision. The one in the left eye was getting really bad. It got so bad that I had to have a cataract surgery. And I believe, because especially since I'm a Californian and we drive a lot, I believe that men, because they're always in the dry, tend to be in the driver's seats uh, of cars that have the sun hitting the right side of their face, is affecting that particular eyeball more than the other one. And that's why I think you get left eye cataracts from all the extra UV and sunlight that's pounding the eye. Now, now do you uh, think there's something to do with that coming through the window or because, I mean, I've no, been, it comes I've through, been, just comes through the window. Sure, it comes through the window, comes through the open window, comes through the closed window. You're getting, it you doesn't make a difference. Or, well, you guys are in Alaska or someplace, but <laughs> generally speaking, when you're driving around, you got this hot sun hitting you and you got to bring the visors down and half the time it doesn't work. You end up just having to put up with it. That's just, but no, again, it's not, yeah, they don't care. No. <laughs> Cause I've been, oh, I've been hearing a lot of, uh, stuff about UV being not as bad as they think for us, you know? So I'm, I'm never sure with that. Well, I haven't it, dug it, into it, it yeah, enough I, where, you know, this is a never ending story. Yeah. Chocolate's going to kill you. Yeah, Chocolate's exactly. good for you. Coffee's going to kill you. You yeah. need two cups a day. Yeah. I mean, it never ends. And yeah. this goes on and on and on. My favorite was a number of years ago when they said cast iron stoves. Uh, or not, I'm sorry, not the, cast the, iron stove. The, cast the pans, iron yeah. pans are, are going to kill you because yeah, you don't you don't need all this iron, even though people take iron supplements. Yeah. And, and now they're back uh, on the good thing. Now people like them. Now they're they're back in. Well, I have it on good authority that Indians are solar powered, so we need sun. <laughs> yeah, I'm an Indian. So are I you one? Are you more than one one slash one thousand twenty fourth Indian? Or? I'm like forty eight percent, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm a Ojibwe. percent cash in. Ojibwe. I have a treaty card. Um, so obviously you've had an interesting life to end up, you know, you always uh regale us with these these sort of out of context stories on no agenda that tend to tend to pop up from time to time. And and I yes, think out of context is the correct word. It's almost like the whole show's a shaggy dog story if I have too many of those. Yeah, but, you know, there's a certain amount of us that just love them. So I was wondering if you could give uh, those people uh, a little rundown of kind of how you ended up where you're at today. I mean, obviously, you did the PC magazine for for 30 years, but but you, you had, must have had a ton of other stops along the way. You've done a ton of traveling. You were an inspector of sorts for a while, multiple podcasts. Well- yeah, well, I was uh, I got uh, worked for the government, and I was a chemist. I got a degree in history and chemistry at Cal, but it was history. But I took a lot of chemistry so I could get a job as a chemist. I always liked chemistry. Uh, as my vinegar book will reflect that, I think maybe. <laughs> uh, I uh, 
I floated around working for the government, and I. But I'm always going to be a writer because I was a writer. I was a writer in a high school newspaper. I was a writer at the University of California newspaper. I'm, you know, I'm always a columnist, and uh, I just got involved with this personal computer thing when it started, and I decided to to kind of get involved with it. And it turned out that I could sell stuff. I could do different kinds of things. That's where I learned my. Um, the period of time I learned my direct marketing skills by taking a lot of seminars. Um, but it turned out I was a better writer than I was at sales. So I just kind of went into it and started working at InfoWorld. And then I <laughs> did some bunch of books and went to PC Magazine and stayed there during the heyday that I described. It was pretty hard to do anything else. Because, it, I mean, there was other magazines to write for. I was writing for all these different. I was writing for the local pay. I was writing for the San Francisco Examiner, now the Chronicle. The um, all a whole bunch of different computer magazines, because there were so many of them, including Ahoy, uh, which was for the Commodore 64. Hmm. And during that period, since you were writing, and I was writing overseas, I was just writing a lot. Uh, you get invited to a lot of things. So that's how the, the, the travel came in. It was like I was being shuffled all over the place. And that was uh, fun because it was on somebody else's dime. And uh, I kind of just settled in as this. Uh, as I've always, When I was in college, I also took broadcasting. I went to Foothill, Foothill College for one, one year and two semesters. Um I went to start off at Cal Berkeley. Was school free back then? Yes. Yes, it was free. So the economy uh, must have been just devastated. What? So the Sorry? economy must have been just devastated from all that free school. <laughs> it was booming actually. Um, so, uh, which is, you know, the ironic, I mean, this nonsense about the, is, there's no, it just has became some of such a money making scam. These big universities, especially the public ones like Cal, that they, uh, you know, they kind of cut themselves off from the oversight of the government, the state government, which these University of California is for the kids, California kids. It wasn't for, you know, thirty percent Hong Kong born Chinese like it is today, or mainlanders. Uh, but they were making more money on foreign students. Somebody did. Somebody added it up and said, "Let's let's just gouge these kids." And just because they have uh, these cheap student loans that you can get from the government, you know, they're part of the scam. Uh, just charge more for the kids, or just get, take out bigger loans. But what happens when the kids graduate with this huge debt? So what? We got our money, yeah. and that's kind of the way I see it today. Wasn't wasn't that way then? Anyway, I went to a broad, I took two. I went to Foothill College for one year, and I went back to Cal. When I figured out what I wanted to do, and I went finished off at Cal in history. But when I was at Foothill, I took broadcasting too, and I took marketing. I took advertising. They had these crazy courses that you couldn't transfer over. I took public speaking. I almost all my skills that I use today, yeah. including what the one I'm doing right now stems from one year at Foothill College. It's really got nothing to do with Cal. Cal got me the ability to think better, smarter, uh, and the ability to do serious research and uh, look at, at history a different way. But all the money-making aspects of my life are all from junior college, taking these kind of um, 
wouldn't call them uh, mercantile. They would be more like mercenary courses. I mean, who takes advertising in college? Well, they they gave a course. I took it. Yeah. Yeah. Was that like a Carnegie style public speaking course? I've heard that's a good one. No, no, no. It was a very uh, academic style public speaking course. And it consisted mostly of having to give us every a speech every week. You know, everyone had to give us or maybe more. I can't remember. But you had to do these speeches to the small audience of the people in the class, which is if you do a lot of public speaking, you soon realize that the bigger the audience, the easier it is to speak to them unless you're nervous, but it's generally better because they're more receptive because they're not like looking at each other in the same little small group. If you had to give the same speech to 2000 people that you'd have to give to like 15 people, you would have a much better, uh, you'd get a much better reception from the 2000 people than the 15. So to have to do these speeches to the small little critical group is actually kind of rough. Um, I thought it was a good course. I think the students, if they have an opportunity to take a public speaking course, should all do it. I also took dra- uh, dramatic arts, and uh, I did take some of that at Cal, too. And, you know, these there are fun courses that you can take besides uh, ethnic studies, yeah, and which all is not really fun. And all this stuff is helping you out now in your podcasting. So at some point, I mean, I've heard, I think I've only heard your Genesis story of No Agenda maybe once in the past five or six years. But at some point, you transitioned from writing into talking more. And, and I don't know if No Agenda happened before DH Unplugged and all that. I'm not sure about that. But what, no, what, DH what about Unplugged the, came, DH later? Un- yeah. DH Unplugged came later. Yeah. Uh, what, but what came before was uh, Cranky Geeks, uh, also Silicon Spin. I was working at a cable network, to ZDTV, which became Tech TV. And I did, did 1,000 uh, talk shows for them. Uh, in a style I didn't, I, I perfected on a, on cranky geeks. Uh, so I was doing other stuff, but it was tend to be video. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, you know, video is great, but it's, it requires, there's requirements of video <laughs> that I, Adam and I, neither one of us think too, too much about. We, there's the way we see it. There's no reason to do what we do v- with video. Mm-hmm. And I don't even want, we don't want to do it with video. People always say, well, why don't you guys do this and that? No, 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 no. You want to see me on video? Here, I'm on Gramerica. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. This will be a big draw. That's about all you're going to get out of it. (laughs) This will be a big Uh, draw as people just get to see If you're going to do video, you know, for a network or something, you're going to, you better get paid a lot of money. Um, Seems to me. If you're not making a lot of money on video, I, I don't see any reason to do it. But we also come, you know, we do the show. I do. I'm early in the morning when we do the show. Sometimes you're in your underwear, or sometimes you're gonna want to get up and stretch, or you want to walk away from the mic, or you want to lean back, or you want to do all these things you can't really do on video. You got to be kind of hunched over the mic, or you could be laved up, which is the way I would do it. Um, if I had the right, I think I got good laughs, but I, I don't usually use them. Um, so Let's get you guys uh, hey, on Grow America from time to time and people can see your pretty faces. Well, so what happened when I was doing these other things, I, um, I, uh, I forgot what year it was, but it was some time ago. It was uh, probably a year or two before we did the first no agenda show. I, Adam was in town and I knew him from, a, from uh, CNET cause I was on the, I was on the startup team at CNET 
and he, Adam was being um, auditioned to be uh, play some role that was end, ended up uh, Hart ended up getting that job, and uh, who I haven't seen for years. Um, but I was doing some reviewing for them, game reviewing. It was written, it was scripted, it was it was fun. I did that for maybe a year or two. And so I heard he was in town, so I said, and I knew he was running this little podcasting operation called Pod Show. And I had decided, because I've seen these other guys starting to do podcasting, that I'm going to learn how to do podcasting, because I didn't, it, to me, it wasn't apparent how easy it is. Mm-hmm. It, because I was, I knew a lot of audio stuff, I wasn't like a slouch about it, I had a, I was an engineer, a third class license type engineer, radio qualified and worked at KFJC. Um, but I, the podcasting thing was somehow, it was, I don't know why it was elusive looking back on it, uh, but it was. And so I went and told them I wanted to get a job there so I could start. And so they gave me this vice presidency of some bogus title that I could actually start to learn how to do it on a professional level. And, and all the tricks and all the kind of, and that it was kind of, now I look back and it was a lot cruder back then than it is now too, in terms of how to get stuff posted and marketed and all the rest. But I, I figured I'm going to learn this because it looked to me as though this was an opportunity to uh, do something different. I saw the 99.com collapse, collapsing everything. And there was the magazines were done because they all gave up. Uh, they were poorly managed. And I was figured, well, I won't even be at PC magazine much longer, although I was a lot longer. Um, I uh, wanted to learn this little skill and I did. And then Adam and I started the podcast on a lark because we kind of liked each other and we could do something. You have a chat. It started off as, as a boring chat. Yeah. And, uh, it, I'm not even sure when it actually, I think I probably triggered some of it. We did do some news analysis and we used to talk about what restaurants we went to, which was kind of boorish. And I started, I brought in a few clips and then we started bouncing off the clips. And I think I did that for about five shows. Then Adam decided he's going to get some clips and start putting them. And then the next we both are getting clips and then we're starting to talk about these clips. And then the, the phenomenon that really took place that was interesting. And I don't think Adam would, would disagree with this. Um, was as you listen, because it's an audio show. So as you're producing the clips and editing them, you're listening to them maybe two or three times. And then when you listen to them more than once, mm-hmm. you start hearing things mm-hmm. like, Tell wait, wait, what did he say? Yeah. And you start to hear the nuances and you hear the, the, the tells like I did with the Al Gore thing recently. If you heard yeah, that show. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your, you know, your, your micro expression course coming up maybe. Yeah, micro expression course. Yes. Was that after talking to Scott Adams? No, I've no, I've no. This micro expression. Scott Adams' take on things. He probably picks up on a lot of this stuff because he's like a hypnotist. But no, it really didn't have anything to do with Scott. Um, It had more to do with me falling into finding this micro guy, micro expressions guy. Anyway, so when you start listening to clips, you'd hear the fumbles. You'd hear the. The, the tells, you'd hear the <clears throat> throat clearings, you'd hear all these different things. And then you'd also hear the, you know, the truth coming out, somebody accidentally saying the wrong thing. And that kind of is what developed into the, the deconstruction, because that's what we were doing. We were deconstructing these clips. 
because after I'm telling you, anybody can go record a whole half hour of like the Jeff Glore CBS News and just pull up. You'll hear stuff in there that if you listen to it more than once, uh, you'll catch it. You won't catch it the first time, including a lot of really, really chicken shit uh, tricks that they I know they're doing on purpose. Mm-hmm. So then the show kind of evolved and we got to show 100 and that's when Adam wanted to quit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's on show 100 if you ever want to go back and listen to it. Uh, he wanted to quit because he thinks we had a great run. <laughs> nice. <laughs> quit while you're ahead. This is a great run. We've done 100 episodes. And I uh, said, well, I don't know. And because uh, I was noticing that we could probably get the uh, the um, value for value model working and it was already showing signs of life. Was it twice and a week back then? I think an issue. I think it, by one hundred, it might have been. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was also the period where we kept promising a third show. Oh wow! Which actually became a gimmick after a while, and we knew we weren't going to do a third show yeah. because we had done a number of specials. So we do the two shows, and we do a special like a thing for a holiday break because we don't put reruns necessarily on. We put specials we do a uh, various things adam has done a couple i've done a couple and we noticed that just doing that which would have been the equivalent of a third show even though it's possible that the shows could be shorter uh, it was too much work we, you know we do the three hours six hours a week it seems like enough uh it's over an hour a day of material so and it's all well, we got to thank you for that, because if you guys were doing nine hours a week, nobody would be listening to us. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. The uh, Nobody would be listening to us, is the way I see it, because at some point you can't take it anymore. We have a lot of people that most of our best listeners are commuters. They're in a truck, or they got a horrible commute. And we our six hours uh, helps them in their commute, because yeah. it you know, makes it go by faster. And nine hours, you know, is kind of pushing it. And the problem that I have, and I'll tell you, this is part of the model, because we've had all these suggestions to do this and that. And so one of the aspects of the model was, why don't you guys do freemium? And um, freemium is where you have like, you do it this way. You do an hour of the no agenda show. And for you who paid us extra money, here's your code and you can listen to two more hours. Yeah. Uh, and but you're doing it because you're paying us yeah. for the two hours instead of just paying for the whole thing, whether you're listening, whether you, you can listen and not pay or listen and pay. That's the model we're using. <clears throat> the problem with the freemium is always seem to be we do so much referring re- or referring yeah. to old bits and sketches and things. We wouldn't know what we discussed on the free portion of the show versus the freemium portion. And we wouldn't know if we'd have to re-explain something because people listening to the free person, uh, the, I'm sorry, the free section would, weren't listening to the paid section. And there was a piece of vital information in the paid section that will now make things make more sense. Do we have to explain it again? It becomes extremely complex and it becomes onerous. And, and that model always seemed to me to be a bad idea. I like it. And I've talked about it and I, it's tempting to do it for DH unplugged because it's doable with DH unplugged as follows. 
We have our goofy whole show, which goes on for 50 minutes. Then we go to the stocks and on our crazy picks, which is part of this game we do on a weekly basis. That could be easily turned into a freemium deal where you don't get to hear about these stocks. Yeah. Because, in fact, people who are into uh, financial um, TV shows or financial newspapers or anything like that, all they want is stock picks. I mean, when I saw um, Fox Business first come on the scene, I was writing for Market Watch at the time. Uh, and I went over there to visit both uh, CNBC and Fox Business. I was in New York. And CNBC is just a slick operation with a lot of very good-looking women. And uh, Fox Business was a kind of a – wasn't – had no life. And then and I started watching, and Fox Business – did not it had the amount of stock tips they had was minimal, and I and I always knew writing for I wrote written for Barrons I written for Market Watch I written for Forbes, I've always known that ninety percent of the reason anybody reads any of that stuff is for stock tips, so if you go on so if Fox Business comes on they go uh, let's talk about personal finances and how you can balance a checkbook. For you idiots who never graduated from high school, that sort of thing nobody wants to watch. They want stock tips. Bring on some guy, even if he's nuts, and give us as many stock tips as he can come up with, because that's all these shows are good for, stock tips. And um, so I always know that the Horowitz Dvorak thing, the H Unplugged, Really, the stock tips, even though they're you know they're not recommendations by any means, they're just stock tips. Yeah, uh, really, what people want. We could do a whole show. Of that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point though. That that model, like that's that's very. Uh, Have you guys got that monetized at all now? That model really works. The value now, for value the, the, really the, works for you guys. The value for value works. The uh, the DHM plug does not monetize very well because that just. A, because the model you talked about, the freemium one, works for a lot of people uh, in our in more of our genre. Like, there's a couple of shows that we're pretty close to that do really well on the freemium model, and we get that people saying we should do that as well. But it's uh, you know Seems we're trying like to stay kind of more. Well, in, you, you give know. me an example. Give me an example of one show that works, and why, why does it work? Because you'd have a, a, a sort of a conspiracy no. theorist, uh, like the higher side chess, for example. They okay. he has these guys on, and and by the time you're halfway through the interview. Uh, it's been a great interview, and the and the stuff that he leaves is very, very like you want to hear the rest of the stuff. I mean, it's pretty, you know, it gets pretty deep into whatever kind of conspiracies you're thinking of, and and uh, so people sign up just to hear that second half, and it doesn't have that that sort of like uh, housekeeping. I don't know what the right word is that you're talking about, where the, all the inside baseball stuff that you might miss because it's really just an interview style. It's a show about, to show about that. Yeah, it's a show to show. It shows semi standalone. So, MU so, does it and get and. Does well with it too. I mean, the the cut in the interview in half is doing conversion rates, you know, way better than I'm seeing anyone else do. Yeah, um, like he's he's getting like ten percent support. Probably <laughs> was it ten? Is it five or ten? I don't know. I thought it was up at ten, or was it five? It's it's more than five. More than sure, five, yeah. and and we're at like one percent. I don't know where you guys are at, but it's. The what value for value quarters, is pretty yeah. tough for for unless you're really big like you guys. And I think that's a I think solid it work base. Great, you know? it makes yeah. a makes a really solid base. Yeah. Well, we've uh, tweaked it and we've done a lot of research too on on the model. And my son, when he was our bookkeeper, uh, Jace uh, Buskill Jr., my other son, Eric, is also uh, he's the he's the main bookkeeper, the shill. 
And uh, when he, when JC was doing these, he, he felt obliged to do a lot of research. He came up with a lot of, a lot of documentation for uh, various uh, fundamentals about, about uh, soliciting money. And of course we use, we try to use the model we use is, is somewhere between PBS in the olden days before they took advertising and churches which do very well for themselves considering the number of parishioners in a, in a church in general, although they don't have to pay taxes. Um, but there's a number of little gotchas that are, that always crack me up because people are always suggesting stuff to us. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? <laughs> and uh, most of it just really hasn't been a good, an idea of in the last few years that we haven't considered or know the reason that we can't do it that way. Yeah. It's a good example is the 501c3. Uh, why don't you guys become nonprofit so you can, uh, so people get a tax write-off when you, uh, when they donate. Well, my son did, did found a, an obscure paper, a marketing paper that showed solid evidence that if all things are equal, the nonprofit is you have two exactly the same operations. One's a 501c3 and the other one's just a for-profit operation like our show. Uh, the for-profit operation will always bring in more money. Yeah. And then you have, so why would you do the 501c3? No reason. It's crazy. And the other thing is that it's a paperwork nightmare. You have to register all these paperwork. I mean, it's already bad enough, yeah. just the stuff we have to do, but then to do a 501c3 or any of these other ones, C4 or whatever, uh, it's just a lot of paperwork unless you have somebody that likes doing that kind of paperwork working for you, uh, which we don't have. Uh, so there's a lot of little things that, and one of the things that when we started doing the model, I said something, and I, I'm still convinced of because a lot of people could do this model, but they don't want to do the model. They uh, they think it's beneath them, and uh, so they won't do it. They won't even try it, which is really the flaw here with the people that think it's beneath them. And so one of the things I always said is, you got if you're going to do it, you got to do it seriously. So you ask people for money, you ask them directly, and you ask them you know as much as you can. And now we also have the newsletter, mm -hmm. which uh, tries to remind people we got a show here and we need more money. And you just really have to keep doing that constantly. Um, I, we're always amused by the one or two guys who come in. Well, you know, if you weren't begging for money all the time, I'd give you some money. If you stop begging for money, I'll give you money. That's yeah, nice. we stop begging for money and you give us. You, the thing is, he won't even give us the money then, this guy. I mean, they're always, you know, the people are looking. There's two things we noticed. One, if you're going to do a model like this, this is an educational podcast. Well, today. we do it, so it's good. It's This is our model. It, if you want to do a model like this, one uh, you, or two things you should know. People are constantly looking for an excuse not to donate. Anything, any excuse they have not to donate, they'll use that and they won't donate. And most people don't donate. Now, the other thing that's interesting, which is less understood, people are always looking for an excuse to donate. And which makes, you know, if you think about it, the two kind of contradict each other, but it's not necessarily true. If you give them an excuse to donate, they will use, they will donate. And so that's why we have a lot of, we try to find any excuse we can. 
1010 day was recently. We have our anniversary coming up next Thursday, 11 years of doing the podcast. We'll get a lot of donations. People could give us, send us some money in tomorrow for the 11th anniversary and say, hey, happy anniversary. Some people do that. But no, most people wait. And they'll wait on. So Thursday, we'll get a lot of, we'll get a lot of uh, interest. We'll probably get do well on Thursday because people are, and there's some superstition involved with a lot of this too. Well, I want to do it on the day. It's actually the anniversary show. Um, but they, so people are looking for an excuse to donate. People are looking for an excuse not to donate. You have to come up with a lot of, you have to come up with a lot of gimmicks. We don't come up with as many as we'd like to. I mean, I think we do maybe two a month that are kind of like, we're always looking for the palindrome uh, or something or some anniversary of something screwy that happens to be on the show 421 420 days always a good one uh just a bunch of things and people oh yeah i'll give them some money for 420 it's 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 really a, it's a, a never-ending situation and if you're going to do it that way you have to do it it's kind of fun on the one hand but it's, uh, you know it's a little gives you you have to shake your head a lot because it's like <laughs> what why did this fail yeah you know? We so, just got a one-star review for all our begging for money. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> so you guys have found something special, though. I mean, it's a formula that, that that works for you guys. I know. I do know some other podcasts that have tried not not so much the value for value part of it, but the deconstruction part of it. I mean, I think that's yeah. that's really really. You guys have found uh, a special thing here where you, you guys have your you know your your pair well off of each other. You got your clips. You got your deconstruction, and it ends up where after years it's been pretty similar. Like since I've been listening five six years, it's been very similar format, and it's turned into being very helpful for a lot of people. Like you know hundreds of thousands of people probably. It's helping. Uh, so, well, after yeah, after the election, especially. Yeah, well, that's what's interesting is so you guys have been deconstructing news for a decade and showing how hypocritical and how much bullshit this is, and then now all of a sudden that uh, the the whole thing has changed in the after the election, all of a sudden you know you're you're called a Trump apologist and all this kind of stuff when you're just doing the same stuff you've been doing overall, but now it's so much worse. Well, the deacons, yes, the news is worse. Uh, they're targeting uh, Trump, which makes it, which, you know, and if you're going to deconstruct it at all, you got to point that out. And everyone said, well, I mean, I do not talk to one. I'm in California, so there's not a day goes by where I don't hear somebody saying something that is just a lie. It's not that Trump's lying all the time. It's that the news media, I think, is lying more than he is yeah. about him lying because yeah. they don't get his lies correct. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to call somebody up for lying about something, at least be specific. Don't just generalize. Say he hates all women and he's a liar. Well, if he hates all women, does he say he hates all women? And if he does and he's a liar, does that mean he loves all women? I mean, come on, let's get these stories straight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or find something else to do with your time is what I like to think. Um, so, yeah, we look like Trump apologists because we're uh, we give Trump grief for uh, situations that or this and we also see him as a humorist and consider like some a troll the, i think almost at some oh, level there's a troll aspect to him that's for sure <laughs> but he's um he's funny in a in a within a structure that he likes he's not like i don't know if he could do uh, the kind of quick repartee that obama could do when he went on these talk shows obama's quick and uh and his timing was better than trump's Timing is a, is okay, but Obama's timing was fabulous, and 
And Trump's also has his timing is a little and his style is a little. Well, we've pointed this out from the beginning. It's Mussolini. He likes to do, he likes to turn to the side and turn his head up and look at him. Mussolini has done this move a million times. Uh, he doesn't quite get as animated as Mussolini did, but there's a Mussolini aspect to his public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got the big crowds because they condemn him for this. Oh, people are there because he's a big, he's a dictator. He's not a dictator. He can't be a dictator in this country. You can tell how little he can actually get done. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so I mean that. So this is this is irresponsible to be calling him that. It's ir- I think it's it's disingenuous to you know the way they they call him out for stuff he didn't do and everything, every little thing. It's ridiculous and it doesn't help anything. And we're not getting good news in this country because stories we do them every week or every couple of shows. We we'll run off a whole bunch of stories you never heard of that are dynamite stories. If you were running a newspaper, yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't, nobody picks them up. They don't care. They just want to bash Trump. So, I mean, you guys have been doing this for, for like many years, like I said, and, and John, uh, Adam, your co-host has always been sort of more known as more of a conspiracy crack theorist pot. than you, the crackpot and, and you're the buzzkill, but, but you're, you're pretty, uh, you're the crackpot in America. <laughs> just so yeah, you know. Thanks buddy. Um, but your take on conspiracies has shifted a little bit over the years, I think. I mean, how, is, how have you changed after analyzing the lies in the media for so long and going over all this? Has, has your worldview shifted quite a bit? Or I don't think just, so. No? Uh, now, the, the thing about me not being a crackpot early on uh, and being the buzzkill is because Adam was a genuine crackpot. <laughs> I mean, he... I mean, the, the kind of conspiracy theories you, that we both agree on are pretty, I think, pretty reasonable. Yeah. But he was at the time, you know, he was going to meet an alien one day. If you remember in the early years, there's some alien. And of course, they never got to meet this alien. And he uh, he believed that there's this, you know, that there was this, some secret to burning water for gasoline. And he put it on his car and he's driving around <laughs> claiming he was getting better gas mileage. He knew he was. Did you measure the gas mileage? No, no, I just know I'm getting better. And so that was all to me extremely crack potty. And uh, so he um, he's dropped off a lot of these things. We don't get as much alien stuff anymore. Uh, You've kind of met in the middle a little bit. Well, I think uh, I don't know what what. I don't know why, why it, it just changes naturally, but I don't think that I'm anymore. I will come up with some gems that I think are conspiracy, cool conspiracy ideas. Uh, but I, you could find that in my writing back in the eighties in, in, at PC magazine, I had a, I had some crazy theory about Balmer and Microsoft and what they were really up to and all this rest of stuff. And I got a note, I think from Balmer, Saying, you know, if we had enough time in the day to do all that stuff you're describing, it'd be great. But we don't. <laughs> Has Adam ever come in with a coffee enema story? No, not yet. Uh, it's something else. It's something to come into. Just what it <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> yeah. The Isra- Israeli yeah. moon bases has been a, a kind of... Well, the Israeli theme. moon base was an early one that he threw out uh, during his crackpot era. And, of course, then he forgot that he said it or denied it for, I don't know, somebody finally found it, found the reference and it actually said it, Israeli moon bases. Uh, and I guess that was probably the epitome of that, that 
era. We're not really. Um, and once in a while he throws. And I do, too. I'm always referring to reptilians. Uh, so it's not like we neither one of us like completely ignore the, the, the humorous and the possible aspects of the uh, crazy stuff. Uh, and it is entertaining. And I and there may be reptilians. And it also refers back to uh, David Icke, who is the promoter of the reptilian theory. Uh, probably above all. And David Icke, if you ever listen to one of his speeches, they're an hour or so. He has some longer, he has some long. He packs him in that it. guy, man. It's crazy. Packs, but because if you ever listen to one of these things, it's jaw dropping. He is really a good public speaker. He knows how to organize a speech. He knows how to, you know, put two and two together in a way that comes out to be five somehow, but it works. Uh, and he's the one who keeps talking about the reptilians. I mean, he's, totally convinced that the, and I think he's sincere that the queen uh, Elizabeth and that royal family for the most part are lizards. Yeah. What do you think? Sounds good. I like it. Yeah. What do you think is the uh, craziest conspiracy that you do buy into? Or that you're willing to admit buying into? Uh, well, if I buy into it, that means I don't think it's that crazy. That's right. um, something that we might think. Well, we're not going to think it's crazy, but something. Yeah, you're that's, you're, you're, you're not a good reference point. Yeah. Um, something that I know there's 10 a lot years of stuff ago, that John I will would bring think is crazy. To, to Lib, I know there's a lot of stuff I will bring up to Lib Joe friends, and they look at me like I'm nuts, and I have to start documenting it. And I, just, um, I can't think of any. I mean, I, I, it's not a question I'm prepared to answer. No, you don't. I mean, you know, the thing is, nowadays you don't even need to go to that level of because because there's so many just basic ones out there that when as you guys come across these as you're deconstructing the media, I mean, it's everything is, uh, you know. Well, in, here's in a, a good way, one. It's a conspiracy to to deceive and lie, and I mean, there's so much stuff just right out there in the in plain sight now. Do you think that a lot of these things, like the student loan and the student debt thing, for example? You know, you used to be able to go to school as free. You could try out all these different things that have given you the ability to, you know, ultimately pursue an entrepreneurial lifestyle. And yeah. these kids today are getting sold that the only way they've got a future is if they get into these colleges and these colleges cost a fortune. And then they get yeah. out of these colleges and they're saddled with a ton of debt that they cannot get out from underneath. And so, you know, your chances at starting your own thing after that are slim to none. I mean, you look at, I was reading something the other day and I was talking about the percentage of business owners that don't have any college that were to have high school and that's it. And I can't remember the exact number, but it was over half. And it's just like, um, you know, do you do something like that? Just a bunch of humans trying to make their own thing. And it just signed to accidentally turns into this, disgusting bureaucracy where everyone's greedy or do you think it's something sort of behind the scenes sinisters where if we do saddle these people with debt we've just got them well, by the balls if i was writing a fiction science fiction about the situation i would i would go with the theory that it was a bunch of creeps uh, making this happen i think in reality it's just opportunism uh and the kind of people that are running the universities. I mean, why is Janet Napolitano given the job of running the entire University of California system? It's all those schools we have. Not Cal State, but University of California. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunists. I think there's been opportunists ever since 9-11. I mean, the whole uh, what Cherkoff has done by starting these companies that make the scanners for the airports mm -hmm. and things like that. 
it's just a bunch of opportunists taking advantage of the situation and they don't have any real, they don't have public consciousness. I don't know what, why they can't see how bad these things that they're doing are for the public at large. They don't seem to care. Maybe it's the lizards. <laughs> well, it's I'll funny because that. that's my take on like, well, I go back and forth, but a lot of the time I take on the, you know, the Illuminati or whatever people want to call it. Is that, you know, is it an actual that, or is it just a bunch of, like you would say on a, but on a bigger scale opportunists, but on the global scale, but some of well, that, I mean, when you look, you look at the, the media, guy, it's tough to think it's it, not at least yeah, a team. You'd have to, I think you have to look at the, well, we look at the media and find all the people that are obviously CIA or military intelligence working in it. It's pretty obvious. Oh, that the, last list. The that Soros Adam list. Was, was yeah. Fantastic. Well, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the latest. No, the one but, that Adam talked about on the show, I think it was at the end of one of your last shows. It was everybody. Soros, that was oh, on a Soros right, that board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the board. <laughs> on the yeah. board of a Soros company and a journalist. Yeah, yeah that was, that's bad. That's a good example. Yeah. But you got the Council on Foreign Relations, which is a conflict of interest with anybody as a reporter. And you can go through the, the membership roster is not a secret. They have it on the website. And you can just go from A to Z. There's like, I don't know. 10,000 names on it, but you can go right through and you go, Oh my God, that's, a, I didn't know that she was a man. Oh, whoop, there's another one. Oh, I, Oh, isn't Alex Jones on that one or no, I he's on the CNP one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what Alex Jones is on, but <laughs> he's not on CRC. He's not he's on, the on something. <laughs> he's on something, that guy. So, cause I've heard some people that say there's uh, some shadiness with the CNP, I think, which is national policy and that them and the CFR are always kind of, Battling could be. each other. Could be. There's, I know that when you read uh, Foreign Policy, the CFR's uh, publication, you are reading, uh, I think, reports that are for the, you know, it's not like there's a central command um, that tells everyone what to do. Once you start to think a certain way, you get the, you get your or, you get your marching orders from uh, these magazines. They tell you what how we how you're supposed to think about something, and you think about it that way. And you maybe you reflect it in an article or whatever you're doing, or or you just reflect it. Uh, but maybe by not hiring somebody, there's a lot of ways. But yeah, I think there's a lot. There's some some of that going on. I think it's you can't put your finger on a person. I don't think it's Jacob Rothschild that's. <laughs> You know, calling it. I don't even think the guy knows how to use a phone, and he doesn't care. Uh, but you know, there's the, the the Rothschild interests. Sure. What about a but, Soros type character? He seems to come up a lot. He's he's like I think I've heard Soros mentioned on you know at least fifty no, percent of the episodes. We, we love talking about Soros, but again, even with him, I think he's just one of these guys who knows who to feed money to. He, he, there's a number of extremely radical people out there and if you and they got some organization and you drop a million dollars into it you, Soros doesn't have to do anything other than that it'll take care of itself this maniac that's running the thing is a you know a right a left-wing kook or whatever he is and he's gonna you know a great organizer who knows and he's gonna take care of it he's gonna dish the money out to other people and it can cause a ruckus and I don't think Soros does much more than look at hedge fund you know, opportunities personally, but he does have the money that he's feeding to these creeps yeah. and it gets filtered all over the place. He doesn't yeah. have to do anything. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. I, I've been overboard a couple of times myself because, and not because of you guys, but just because I, I need a, a break from the new, the news and the current events and all that, because it is, it is pretty negative and it can be pretty depressing. And I, you know, we, 
we hear you guys talk a lot of on the show about you know it's enlightening in a way for sure but it's also it can be you know depressing but you you're the one that's sifting through it all and how do you maintain some measure of uh um you know not pos- even positivity or just even just staying uh in the middle on this stuff and, and not getting too bogged down on that i mean it would pro- i don't know if i could i could do it well that's the, by the way what you're describing is the reason we're not trump apologists we serious, seriously do not, we're not affected by this. I mean, we can be outraged by the gall of some news organization, and we, and we do get irked about some of it. But it's not like it's bothering us, because the way I see it is that all this, all this action that's going on with the news and the riots and the mobs and the shout them down and get in their face and the Maxine Waters and all these other morons – is that it's really, if you look outside, it's like oh, another freeway still going on. <laughs> so the salt, the, by the way, the flats are still, flats are muddy. still like- it's really bad today. It's really muddy. Um, looks like just, it looks like the ocean's going down, if you ask me. Um, and so you see the, you know, the data, you know, unless people are fighting in the streets or there's bullets flying. I don't see why anyone gets worked up about any of this stuff. And that's the way I think Adam feels the same way too. I mean, he gets annoyed by, if you get run over by a scooter, you know, you're stepping some dog poop in San Francisco. Or yeah, human you poop. Go, human poop, you mean. You, you are, you're human poop. That's what actually what I meant. <laughs> but no, so we don't, it doesn't, uh, we just happen to have the right temperament to do this. Uh, if we were, um, had an agenda or if we had a, uh, a perspective, a partisanship perperspective that was, that we took seriously, uh, I, it would be more difficult. I, I would say yes, but we don't. We just pretty much laugh about. It. We just think this is humorous. We get to go. You listen to this, somebody's talking, and then they're like the Al Gore thing. I would, I think, was pretty funny. Listen to the guy <laughs> laughing in the middle of a word because it was his tell that, that he's lying. This is kind of fun to bring these these little topics up and see what the hell's going on. And micro expressions are. Seem to be like my next, I, I got to get into that a little more. I didn't realize most of the guys who are professionals at spooks uh, that do that kind of work where they can tell somebody's lying, it's really all based on micro expressions. Yeah. Uh, they, cause you, you just have one little thing, you know, it's just one, it's quick. And if you're not looking for it, you won't see it. Um, so it's probably good to know that the art is available. Uh, yeah find out yeah well those are some gems i mean that al gore one was fantastic four or five <laughs> tells and i mean we're we've you know we've been on the climate change thing for quite a while and you guys always you know you have some other ones like the lear foundation one is really really critical one oh for yeah it's me, a favorite but, but it's all the it's all the stuff you got to sift through to get to those gems that i really i don't know how you do it but. well we get some guests out of you guys too i mean we had easterbrook on yeah. we had perkins on yeah and uh i mean uh, We've talked to quite a few people now at this point that have said that you need to be worried more about global cooling again than you do about global warming. Well, probably. I have I, my my basic theory. This is a crackpot theory. I would, if you're going to use, if I can be a crackpot once in a while, I would say something like, uh, and I think I've done this on the show, which is, it's, you know, all these guys that are into global warming, they're, they're the same guys who want the population of the world to be down to 500,000. We have too many people. So what better way to, to wipe out most of the public by creating global cooling 
by implementing things to stop global warming, which should trigger global cooling. And it's just a, a method to kill us all. Yeah, all the geoengineering. Uh, yeah. So that to me seems like, in fact, I was at some event, and it was in Korea. It was an event uh, with some guy, some NASA guy. I was sitting with one of the NASA guys, and he said he never heard of this guy, who this guy was. But you've heard this process. This is a global warming thing that you may have heard. The idea is to send a bunch of missiles into the upper atmosphere and shoot out a bunch of, you know, tinfoil, like tons and tons of it. So it so the sun can't hit the earth and uh, it'll stop the global warming. And I'm what thinking, what madman? Yeah, what could go wrong? What <laughs> madman would come up with this sort of an idea? And then they watch the audience clap over. Oh, what a great idea! Anything to stop global warming? We're all going to die. Uh, I'm thinking, oh my God, these people—it's horrible. So it's hard to take them seriously. But I would say, especially where I am, I would doubt if I. Although a lot of people won't admit it that they think the whole thing's bullcrap, but. Generally speaking, they're all in on, yeah, we're all going to die because of global warming. I, I point out my mud flats out here. Yeah. Still there. Yeah. Um, nothing's going on. I don't see any rising seas. It sort of should have been going on for like the last 50 years where the sea should have been rising. I'm not seeing any. Yeah. I oh. mentioned this on the show and I mentioned it again. Somebody sent me a uh, U.S. Geo surveys, one of those U.S. geological survey maps, the current one for my area, and one from 1880. And the mudflats are exactly the same. Yeah. So, okay, come on, we're, we're 130 years and nothing's changed. Yeah. Well, that's just, so, it's, it's just getting higher in the third, in the poor countries. Oh, so on the other side, maybe yeah. somewhere else. Or maybe it's always, the thing that I lost track of, and I wish I could find it, I'm going to have to find it, is somebody, some one of these guys came up with it. Well, the reason the oceans aren't rising, because somebody else has noticed this, is because Australia is acting like a huge sponge. <laughs> Miami, too. Well, I like the one about yeah, the, why they are in certain spots is because of the sand that they're selling. I mean, you guys talked about that oh, on yeah. an episode, yeah, and I think sand. that doesn't get talked about enough, you know? Yeah, you, you dig up that your was the island, specifically. all the sand, and there's nothing left. The island's gone, and yeah. it gets washed over. Oh, my God, we need money because of <laughs> we got to buy a bunch of rising seas. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you can talk about it. Yeah. So the one thing I want to mention before we wrap this up, we don't want to keep you too long, is that this whole censorship thing, Darren kind of touched on it at the beginning, and I don't know if you Deep got some platforming, stuff yeah. Too. Yeah, like, well, if I mean, we kind of sidetracked from that because uh, it turned out you weren't, maybe you probably weren't censored. You were just, um, but... Do you guys worry about that? I mean, you guys are mostly self-sufficient, I think, right? Like, it'd be tough to sense. You guys, it could take you to iTunes, but it wouldn't stop you. But is it going to lead to government regulation? Like, where is this going to go now with all this? Well, this? they would like it to. I don't think it's going to get any worse than it is, hmm. personally. Now, it's possibly, we do have, you know, we're a little concerned, obviously, because we get our PayPal cut off, and that's like, I'd say probably two-thirds of our income. And that wouldn't be good. And PayPal has done that. Yeah, that's the. But scary. you know, they haven't done it with us. And I work with them. You know, I talk. They seem like an okay operation, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, but there are alternatives that are out there that we could jump to if we had to. Um, we have a slight loss. We get a lot of checks, which helps. And um, do you think that's where the value for value model makes a difference? Like, do you think? Because the way I look at it is, is a guy who's paying five bucks a month for the freemium model, 
is probably less likely to send you a bunch of post-dated checks or something. Whereas the value, like there seems to be this community that comes along with value for value that seems to have a something different to it than some of the other communities I've poked my nose into. Well, everybody does, is going to do it a little differently anyway. Everyone's going to podcast a little differently. I always like to relate the story that when I did my telecommunications book in the 80s, uh, I was sent on a book tour around the country, and I went to probably 30 or 40 radio stations to sit on different shows. And it was like you go from station to station. There's not one station that looks anything like the other stations. They're all distinctively different. Every single one of them is they're hooked up differently. They got different mics. They lose everything's different. It's nothing even close to being the same. And I think that's the same with value for value. It's the same for podcasting. This is kind of a, a an area where it it's amenable to just everyone doing their own kind of their own version of something. And so, uh, and whether or not value for value would save you if you uh, were censored out of, into oblivion, uh, not if you lost your PayPal account, it wouldn't do it, save you necessarily, although you could make some, you could do, kind of stay, you can hang in there. Uh, I, I mean, we have, we've gone to the point, we have our own servers, we don't use uh, any of the systems that are commercially available, I don't trust any, I don't trust Patreon for sure. And I definitely don't trust any of these uh, these networks. Um, so we have our own servers. We have our own chat system. Everything we do is self-hosted. Yeah, so everything's self-hosted. We do, uh, I mean, a lot of it has to, because Adam is a kind of a, a audio junkie. He's like really good at, at producing and he likes a certain sound and he's enthusiastic about it. But he's also like me, live to tape which means that we don't rehearse anything. We don't even talk to each other and edit we, and we don't do any editing unless there's some horrible thing and it happens like we lose a connection, which has happened recently. Uh, so there's no editing and there's no making it, you know, pre, uh, gussing up uh, the, the show. Uh, that's what people all, like about it though. I mean, that's what's it's, it, it's the genuineness, the authenticity that comes off. And comes across for people, and that's what people are craving right now. I mean, even all these uh, NPR style podcasts and all these other people that are gussing it all up, it just doesn't sound right to me. It just sounds all no. It sounds like repurposed radio, exactly. Yeah, and not only radio, but repurposed, you know, NPR style radio with a very quiet sound, and they have a certain distinctive style, and they all copy it, you know, and it's like. It's tedious. It's a little too much. It's a little too much whispering into the mic. <laughs> A little too much. Yeah. And it's a little too, and the room's a little too dead. Yeah. Could it be any more dead? Yes, it could. I could be dead. So, um, and some of these guys are. Yes. So we, so there's not a real concern of ours, even though it's always a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Cause we go back, uh, back and forth on the PayPal thing too. And we're always sort of looking at backup plans and, and things like that. I mean, I think self-hosting all of our stuff is the ultimate goal. I mean, the YouTube, if they shut that down, whatever, they can have it. I wouldn't bother. And they can. Yeah. And then, but the, the audio stuff we would like to eventually, I mean, we've gone to the point of getting, you know, multiple people all over the, in different parts of the world that to have a, you know, a copy of all the shows and do some torrenting and stuff like that. But ultimately we'd like to get to that same where we, we host everything ourselves, even though I think, yeah, you know, I you trust don't have Lipson to worry too. about anything. It's highly recommended. 
Uh, I think the way we do this show, and actually DH Unplugged to a lesser extent, uh, is pretty, um, it's, it's pretty standalone. It's modern. There's no reason to be, you know, part of the, the old system that is what Adam's always complaining about with some justification, a lot of justification. He's been part of it. Uh, the old system of, you know, let's put something together. And there's that show, that podcast, that God touched me or whatever is on CBS at whatever network it is. It has that show. The guy's a podcaster. There's a bunch of these oh, yeah. the guys are podcasting TV. I'm a podcaster. You watch you. Know, there's no, this, this guy's not a podcaster. Everything he's doing is nothing like a podcaster would do. And you don't go around begging at somebody, would you buy my podcast? You know, that sort of thing. It's the whole thing is disingenuous. It does. It's coming from a, it's coming from nonsense, uh, imaginary. Um, but because the mod and it's old fashioned, the modern way is to do everything yourself. You can do it. You can do your own thing. You can get in a, you can get a, a domain name. You can put it up somewhere. You can get some web, you know, some guy just got a server with some extra space on it. You can always mooch, you know, somebody else's system. They'll help you out if they like you. Um, I've, you know, always had uh, good luck getting high quality connectivity without going nuts and spending too much money on something that's not not worth it. Yeah. Anyway, you guys are doing okay. Is there anything else, Darren, you want to touch on before we let him go? Yeah, maybe just uh, any, uh, what do you think, uh, maybe an inside track on what we should look for in the future? Like the, I know the pipelines was a big one. What do you think about this? Did you hear about the billion-dollar lawsuit in China over vaccines? Do you think that's got anything to do with the fentanyl comments? Or give us a little uh, tidbit before we before we wrap oh, up. Oh, I did. That's actually what you just said. I didn't even think that, but I think you're on to something. Hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Sounds good. Perfect. Um, I think, well, it's going to see the problem is the landscape is going to change dramatically after these elections. Because the November elections or? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, what's going to happen is there's going to be this, you know, uh, contemplating your navel. There's going to be a lot of self-examination <laughs> on both sides. <laughs> what could have done better? And they're going to worry about and, and before they get back into their trying to, you know, talk about impeaching Trump. Of course, they're never going to do it because they don't want to impeach Trump because he's a convenient foil. They think that it's a benefit. Um, so I think things will kind of calm down after November. So it's going to be kind of a quiet, I'm guessing. Uh, and I'm not something I'm hoping for necessarily. Cause I like, you know, a lot of action going on. It's good for the show, <laughs> but I guessing we're going to get right through the Christmas season. and Everybody's going to be happy, go right into the next year. And then uh, things will start up again. You think Trump will do anything with pot? With what? With marijuana? Well, probably not while Jeff Sessions is an AG. I think he might eventually, but not with Sessions. The, the Senate wants to do something. There's a couple of bills pending that are just going to legalize it. And um, if that passes, then you're going to end up with a very interesting situation. Because they're still fighting it. They're still fighting it. They're still, like we talked about in the last show, we talked about the edibles uh, are now being considered, you know, they're trying to ban them in Washington state. That's terrible. That's one of my favorite reasons to go to Washington state. Yeah, they have good edibles too. And there's a lot of brands yeah. there. And they, there's a still legal in Canada. You get up to 14 years in jails. If you make your own edibles, that's fine at home. 
But if you get caught giving edibles to someone else, look out. Huh. Up to 14 years in jail. If you get caught with illegal weed, up to 14 years in jail. Concentrates. Well, no, a lot of illegal weed, not under th- under 30. Uh, yeah. Any, anything over an ounce, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, these will resolve away? themselves. Yeah, the I was wondering, because Washington. how did Washington start out? Was it because I I didn't get down to Washington until it was well-established, and it seems like right now, like, they've got it figured out. And at 50% tax or whatever it is, I mean, they got to be doing okay. Well, I think Colorado's the one who figured it out the best. And so nobody's talking about them. A million a which day, Which indicates to me that they figured it out. Washington figured it out. They, they kind of followed Colorado's model. And then they, they set up these, these little stores everywhere. And then the stores, for the first couple of months, if you ever went past one of them, there'd be a line a mile long. Because uh, everyone thinks, you know, it was, let's go. This, cause I'll stand in line for two days if I have to, because I don't think this is going to last. And so that ended. And now they have shops everywhere. To grow a lot, there's permit, you get permits to grow. Uh, and they have shops everywhere. And you go to these shops, and the, and the places are filled with old women. Mostly there's a few head kit, you know, head. Yeah, hey man. Okay. Well, you got any bud? They, there's a bunch of those guys, but not as much as there are old women, arthritic old women. And they find that they need the creams and they need the edibles with a lot of CBD. Uh, and most of the guys who work in these shops tell you that you need THC with the CBD for it to be fully effective. So you're going to get stoned whether you like it or not. Um, but these old women, I don't see how we're going to put up with any of this where they're going to make them pull back on the uh, edibles because the edibles is where most of the CBD stuff comes from. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I waited in a line yesterday. Did you? Yeah, I won't go back. I just did it for, you know, we really wanted to go down and it's a big event. So we went and waited in the line and bought some and then I'll go back to my guy. He's about a third the price and it doesn't have to wait in line and it doesn't have Monsanto approved pesticides or Monsanto made pesticides no. on it. Yeah, all, all the you're uh, a cynic. You're a cynic. <laughs> you know the the lines will go away after about two months. If uh, and then you can go get some edibles. They should have edibles. They, by then they said you a should year change probably. the Canadian law. <laughs> yeah, they said about a year before edibles and concentrates. But I'll tell you what: if Buzzkill's calling me a cynic, then I got problems. Uh, <laughs> it says here that it was obvious to everybody. <laughs> July 2018, 25 million dollars in tax revenue from cannabis in Colorado. Twenty-five million. This, yeah, huh. yeah, nothing to sneeze at. Jeez, that's not too bad. Take two years here before we profit. Two years before we profit. Yeah. They that's sold out the already. Day two, they ran a bunch of places ran out. Yeah, but most of that money's going to like the police. Yeah. Anyway, we might as well wrap it up there, John. I'll let you get your Ooh. dinner going. We thank you for the time you you took to come to Greg America. Maybe now we'll be able to coax Adam into making an appearance as well. We do get uh, constant emails and tweets and Facebooks of to get on the guys, get on the guys, get on the guys. So yeah, we have a you, lot got, of you, listeners. Beat, you beat me down. A lot of listeners listen to your show. We talk about it all the time. And oh, I forgot. I you meant appreciate to, publicity. I meant to steal something from Adam and say John C. Dvorak, and the C stands for Canadian accent. And I was going to ask yeah, you to I, do I, your I accent to the like whole show. I have been to Canada enough that I can talk a little <laughs> like they talk up there. Uh, we'll send you a toque. Next time the whole show. <laughs> yeah, we should send him a yeah. toque. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot for uh, for your time. Thanks for coming right, on the guys, show. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me on. Thanks okay. for no See agenda. Ya. See ya. Ciao.
That was our chat, uh, the much-anticipated chat with John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda Show. That was good. That was one I was a little nervous for, more yeah, than usual. And then, of course, yeah. we get in here, computer's not computer's starting up properly. Yeah, comes or, in, it just starts working instantly. He's, like, right ahead of schedule. He calls us five minutes before we're starting. And yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> We're running late, and he calls us five minutes early. Yeah. But that's okay. It all no, worked out. No, it's great. I, I, I wanted to get out of him uh, his words and the description of what the No Agenda Show is. I mean... Um, that's the reason we had him on mainly for that show, not so much for his other podcast, which I'm sure some people do listen to, but, but I, but I, we didn't really get around to it, but I wanted him to describe it. But I mean, I think throughout the conversation, we figured out, uh, it was pretty, probably pretty obvious for people that, you know, it's deconstruction of the mainstream media really for the most part, which leads to a whole bunch of areas and a whole bunch of uh, interesting topics. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously it's a show we look up to and you know, try and emulate with our value for value model. That's where we got the concept and, yeah, you know, where we, they're definitely someone that uh, helped us pave the way to get to where we are today. Who knows where, what the fuck we'd be Yeah, doing. no, it is true. And you know, what's funny is I remember hearing about them before. Don't point at me. I'm, this isn't pointing <laughs> at you. You have to, it's, I'm not pointing at you. I'm You're just pointing saying, at me. It's I'm still, it's still funny you. every time. I'm not that, pointing Every time that happens, I get a giggle. Oh, Jesus. Is uh, the, see now I just I want to use my hands. Okay. I gotta fucking put my hands. It's a podcast. <laughs> Sit on them. When I first heard about them before <laughs> I moved to Calgary, even is I I could not find them. I don't think they were in the iTunes uh, directory way back when. I should have asked them that. <laughs> I had to take a picture of you podcasting with your hands behind your back. <laughs> yeah, I they were there right away when I searched for them. Yeah, that was that was yeah, that, that would have been years. But I mean, later. This, so this. This would have been probably 2008 or nine, I think. Don't don't put it anywhere. Too late. No, oh, you did. <laughs> so, anyways, like, yeah, big thanks to John for coming on. Oh, uh, they have been to they John. have been an inspiration, and they really do have an amazing uh, thing in there. No, I, I always assumed people, it'd be Adam first. Awesome, yeah, me too. I always assumed it'd be Adam. But first. Adam doesn't want, didn't want John to come. Adam on, didn't so want John to come. Maybe on, that's so, why. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's why he wanted to come on first. Maybe he wanted to see what John said before he came on. In a lot of ways, this this is it's we're we're not really in the same genre as 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 John, especially you know. But no, but the amount of crossover is pretty, you, you can't ignore good. the amount of crossover between the audiences. I mean, obviously, our audience is only a fraction of theirs. Yeah, but it's I mean, it's probably less noticeable for them. Yeah, but for ours, you know, it's a measurable percentage. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, I would say two or three out of ten. Yeah. It seems like anyway, but maybe they're just the loudest people in the room. Yeah, maybe. With their no agenda yeah. thinking. Yeah. Right on. Well, value for value. Support the show because it's a value for value model and there's only so many of them. We're like a church, motherfuckers. Church podcast. We don't get a tax break. We just get a bill. We're, we're in between the church and PBS. No, that's there them. you have that's it. Them. Anyhow, support the show because uh, we're trying to make this value for value thing work. And I think it's important for the future. And uh, ultimately the goal is to get self-hosted and stuff like they're doing, but that all costs a lot more money than we can afford to put out right now. We still got the, uh, we're about halfway to the, to the people on the wall. So a lot of work to do there. Uh, Jordan's doing a great job getting, helping out with that. And the, the website and everything else is still ongoing and it looks great. So thanks to everyone 
for supporting that and, and bearing with us as we do the turnover and work out the bugs and all that. But uh, yeah, it's been going great. Things are great. Uh, we appreciate you motherfuckers, especially the ones that support. All right, guys. Did you just take a picture of me? You pe- <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. A palindrome. Episode 313. On Grime America this week, they interviewed the Cranky Geek, a.k.a. JCD, a.k.a. Buzzkill, a.k.a. John C., where the C stands for co-host to the No Agenda Show podcast, Dvorak. Welcome to the show, the Grime America, the Grime America show. So many cigarettes